It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Lockdown Bills. Want to thank you for making Lockdown Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day. Well, folks, we've got a bunch of herd mentality items to get to here today on the podcast. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. First one here comes from Justin. Justin says, with Sean McDermott taking over the defensive play calling and the departure of Tremaine Edmonds, we have heard a lot of talk about the Bills employing more odd and even front defenses this upcoming season. Would you be able to explain what each of those scenarios would look like from an alignment perspective, where would the current Bills personnel line up in an odd or even front situation? And what scenarios would there be one that's more advantageous than the other? It's a good question and certainly a lot of speculation um, as to this being a reality. And I'm certainly included in the ex- in the speculation. I think that there is a good chance of this happening. And so the Bills typically run a 4-3 under front. So four defensive linemen, typically a one-tech, a three-tech, and then a five-tech. And then if there's somebody, if there's a tight end, somebody be aligned up either head up or outside that tight end. If they do employ some odd fronts, you're talking about three down linemen. So a nose tackle, somebody who's an A-gap defender, and then you'll have probably a five tech and maybe a four eye somebody aligning on the inside shade of the offensive tackle with a linebacker walked up on the line of scrimmage next to him. And so if that were to be the case, I think your odd fronts, you'd have Daquan Jones as your a gap defender or Puna Ford. And then you would have Greg Rousseau as your five tech. And then I think you look at potentially Ed Oliver as that four I type player, or you could even use Jordan Phillips there. You can use AJ Epinesa or Boogie Basham there in that four I alignment with Von Miller kind of walked up as that rush outside linebacker. And so that's what I think it would look like. You know, Shaq Lawson has played in this type of defense when he was in Miami for that one season. And so I think it's a possibility, not necessarily that it will be their primary alignment. I still think there's, they're going to be a even front primary alignment, but I think there's some chances that they could tap into this, especially if they want to use more simulated pressures. If they want to take advantage of Terrell Bernard's blitzing ability, I think it's very much a possibility. The advantage of doing this is if you want to get creative with pressure schemes and it could be helpful against some rushing offenses really kind of throw off their rhythm, have them prepared to block a variety of different looks. And I think that could give the Bills some advantages potentially there. Next one here comes from Bob. Bob says, the loss of Tremaine Edmonds is the biggest concern. 
This will be the first time in five years that he's not out there as the middle linebacker. I was wondering over the last five years, what was the Bills record when Tremaine Edmonds played and when he was out? He didn't miss many games, but it seemed like they struggled when he wasn't in there. So Tremaine Edmonds, since 2020, really throughout his career, he's only missed one, two, three, four, five, six games. Those were 2020 week two, a 31 to 28 win over the Dolphins. 2021 week 10, a 45 to 17 win over the Jets. 2021 week 11, 41 to 15 loss to the Colts. I think we all remember that one. 2022 week five, a 38 to three win over the Steelers. 2022 week 11, 31 to 23 win over the Browns. And then 2022 week 12, 28 to 25 win over the Lions. So he's missed six games. The Bills are 5-1 and one in the games that he missed. I think you can also bring attention to the Vikings game in 2022 where he was healthy for the first half, not the second half, and we know how that second half went. And so I, I think you can look at all of these games and feel like the Bills missed Tremaine Edmonds, maybe not the Steelers game. And I think they played the run very well against the Browns last year, but the pass coverage, you could tell he wasn't there. Same thing with the Lions. The the pass coverage was an issue. And so I think the Bills are were a better team when Tremaine Evans was on the field over the last five seasons. Uh, but they were still 5-1 and one in the six games that he missed. Next one here comes from Aiden. Aiden says, looking at our edge rushers, do you think a trade could be on the way for Boogie Basham or A.J. Epinesa? To me, it's very, very realistic, and I'm not ruling it out at all, especially since both of them have been pretty disappointing in their own right. You would think someone has to be on the chopping block, if you will, and you'd think that both of them could attract, at a minimum, a mid to late round draft pick. Would love to hear your thoughts on this, and thanks for answering as always. I would say right now that, yeah, they've been disappointing as second round picks, but I'm not necessarily convinced that either will be traded. Right now, those players are in line to both get about 30, 35, maybe 40% of the defensive snaps this coming season. And to me, the reason the Bills would move on from either of them is if, first of all, they feel really good about Von Miller's health, but also they would need to have Shane Ray or Cameron Klein or I guess Kingsley Jonathan really emerge and prove that they are better rosterable players than either Epinesa or Basham. I don't think that's very likely. And so while I can understand your sentiment here, I'm not convinced that either are going to be traded, and I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of trade value for either player. You know, like you mentioned, there's been a level of disappointment. And so that makes it tough. A team's going to have to give up something to acquire them. Now, maybe they see some upside. You know, maybe they graded them fairly high and feel like they can unlock more than the Bills have. and something comes together, but I think you're talking about late round pick and for the bills, they might be better served to enjoy what they get from AJ Epinesa in a contract year and see if Boogie Basham can take a year three jump. I mean, the bills do have second round picks, recent second round picks invested in both players. And so I'm not expecting either to be traded, although I can understand your your angle here. 
All right, we got a bunch more to get to, but first need to tell you about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, and there's a lot you can get in on right now. They've got, of course, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. Major League Baseball is in full swing, and, of course, the football's futures bets that you can check out. A lot of fun stuff there. Over-unders on win totals is like it's something I really like to get into. Uh, and there's no better place to bet on all the sports action than over at America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and getting no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. The next one here today comes from Chris. Chris says, if you could pick one Bills legend in their prime to help the team this year, who would it be? Yes, I realize it has nothing to do with the current team, but just a fun thought. I get this question pretty regularly, and the answer for me is always very simple. It's Bruce Smith. It's Bruce Smith. I think Bruce Smith was the most dominant football player to ever wear a Bills uniform. Him and his prime is just an absolute freak show. And Bruce Smith playing five tech in an odd front defense in an era of football where they threw the ball not that much for him to be able to have the production that he did is unreal and so it's for me it's it's every time it's Bruce Smith every single time now if the Bills didn't have a quarterback then I think you could make a case for Jim Kelly but if they have a quarterback like they do right now in Josh Allen The answer to me is always Bruce Smith. Let's move on to the next one here, which comes from Alex. Alex says, thinking of the long-term future of Spencer Brown, if he does hit his ceiling, do you think he could ever take over at left tackle once Dawkins ages out of the position, or do you foresee him as a right tackle only for his career? Fun question here. What's interesting about this, before I give you my answer, is that when you – typically label a player right tackle only it's because there's athletic limitations and you don't necessarily want them to consistently be the blindside protector for your quarterback now the thing about Spencer Brown is there are no athletic limitations whatsoever I'm completely unconcerned by his athleticism he's one of the most elite athletes in the entire NFL But my answer here is that I would want to keep under this scenario where you say once Deion Dawkins ages out of the position for Spencer Brown to be the left tackle, I'm not sure I would want that to happen. You know, Deion Dawkins right now is entering his age 29 season, and I'd expect him to be the Bills' left tackle until at least his his age 34 season, which is 2027. So by that time, Spencer Brown will be the Bills' right tackle for six years. And I don't like the idea of making that type of a transition that far into a player's career. If Spencer Brown winds up being a six-year starter for the Bills at right tackle, I don't love the idea of in year seven, okay, now let's make the switch to left tackle. If he's proven himself at right tackle, I would just stick with him at right tackle. And then whenever that day comes where you have to find a successor for Deion Dawkins, that you then do that. The next one here today comes from Derek. 
Derek says, looking into the future, I know defensive tackle is a pressing concern next offseason. And for me, the future of the safety position is not far behind. I love having Poyer and Hyde back together. It just feels right. But, Father, time is undefeated. How much longer do you see these two playing together? And how do you see Taylor Rapp fitting into the back end of the defense into the future? Love the podcast, and thank you for all that you do. Go Bills. Thank you, Derek. All right, so forecasting Poyer and Hyde. 2021 for those guys, which is one year removed, right, two years ago. That was their best season together. And then things got derailed due to injuries in 2022. I think that this tandem of Hyde and Poyer is going to come back and they're going to be a high-impact group again this year. And I've often said that I want them together for as long as possible. I want all the Poyer and Hyde that I can possibly get. Now, realistically... This year and next could be it. Poyer is signed through 2024. Hyde is up in terms of his contract after this year, but I could see him signing for another season in Buffalo, right? And you get two more years of these guys together. I think that's a possibility. So I think you got two more seasons of these guys. I think the style of defense that the Bills play with a lot of cover three, a lot of cover two, I think that's going to allow them to play football for a while. You know, they're both aging. I don't know that we're going to get three, four more years, but I think we can get two more. I think we can get two more. As for Taylor Rapp fitting into the back end of the defense in the future, I think right now you have a great opportunity to get to know him and assess him and feel like if, you know, if if Micah Hyde doesn't come back for another season or Jordan Poyer doesn't come back for another season, we know that that's a one-year deal. That could be two, or I guess it could, it's a two-year deal that could be one. I think that you're doing a nice nice thing right now by getting yourself acquainted with him and seeing if he can be the starter. Because, I mean, we know how important these safeties have been to the Bills' defense and the success of the Bills' defense. And so having that guy in the mix right now to get familiar with, to assess as a future starter is a good thing. I think there's a chance that that's a, that's a very reasonable path. Next one here comes from Patrick. Patrick says, what percentage of plays do you think the Bills will run in 22 personnel? And 20, 22 personnel is two running backs, two tight ends on the field. I'm envisioning Josh in the shotgun with Knox and Kincaid on the field, along with Diggs, Cook, and either Harris, Murray, or Hines, depending on the down and distance. Man, this would be so hard on defensive coordinators. They can run so many plays out of this, RPOs, play action, quick outs. It's a fun question. I, I certainly get intrigued by the possibility of that personnel grouping because it is Knox, Kincaid, Diggs, James Cook, and then could be Hines, could be Damian Harris, like you mentioned. Last season in 2022, though, the Bills ran a total, a total of 16 plays in 22 personnel. So it's a very uncommon personnel grouping for the Bills to use. Now, I will say that the personnel is different now and maybe it's more attractive to do that, I think the Bills utilizing 22 personnel is going to be predicated on their ability to run the football out of that personnel grouping. That's going to be critical because I think that sets up all of the 
the different stuff that you can do, play action, rollouts, RPOs, right? You want to have the threat of the run. Um, and so I think that's going to be critical. But whether it's 22 personnel, 11, 10, 12, there's, there's a lot of possibilities with the skill sets that they have. And I think that's what's most appealing to me about this offense and what the scheme can be this year is that you feel like you have so much at your disposal in terms of skill set variety that whatever you want the offense to be, it can. You're not limited because of the skill sets that you don't have. You've got speed, you've got yards after catch, you've got vertical players, you've got size, you've got interchangeable players, guys that can play running back and receiver, guys that can play tight end and receiver, receivers that can come in and play in tighter alignments to the line of scrimmage like a Trent Sherfield or a Gabe Davis or a Justin Shorter. You've got what you need to be as diverse of, a, of an offense as you want to be. Now it's just on Ken Dorsey and company to put it all together. All right, we got a bunch more to get to here. Just need a quick break. We'll continue this conversation in just a minute. All right, the next one today comes from George. And before we get to George, though, I do need to remind you that we have launched the Locked on Bills subtext community, something new that we're offering. There's a link in the show notes for today to join. So if you're on YouTube, or whatever podcasting medium, just check out the show notes. You'll see a link to join the Locked On Bills subtext community. Here's what you get. You get one-on-one text conversations with me. As I've stated, this has been my favorite part so far, uh, just being able to engage more with, uh, with the listeners of this podcast. And we're talking about the team answering questions, talking about stories, going to games, favorite players, all that type of stuff. So feel free to join and you know have those types of conversations with me. I've, I've really enjoyed that. You get priority in herd mentality uh, submissions or have some exclusive content. I'll have some regular Bill's thoughts that I'll text out as I have different opinions about the team. I'll send them out. And then, of course, my first reaction to all major Bill's news. We'll do some giveaways. And as a matter of fact, we're doing a giveaway tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time, for anyone that has joined the Locked on Bill subtext community um, at – at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, the 25th, we're going to go live on YouTube. We're going to do a giveaway. I'm going to raffle off a couple of copies of my book, Go Bills. It'll be personalized. I'll mail them to your house. And um, we'll also just hang out for a little bit, do some Q&A, keep it loose, have some fun on the YouTube channel, 8 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, the 25th. So check out the Locked On Bills subtext community. There is a link to join in the show notes for today. All right, let's get to that question from George. Uh, George says, we've seen Buffalo take care of the Chiefs several times. Is Cincinnati a situation where we simply have a roster mismatch that can always be exposed? Do you see us taking any steps to having improved the matchup from a personnel standpoint? I'm reminded of the tweaks we made to get past Kansas City. Do you think about Cincinnati in the same way? Or do we need to think about Cincinnati in the same way? Well, I'll say this is we've only got a one game sample size right now with Cincinnati. And of course, that sample size wasn't good. (laughs) It didn't look good for the Bills. Um, And the Bills have a lot to prove. But I'm not sure that I've got enough right now to say definitively that there's a roster mismatch in terms of how the teams match up. Now, very soon on this podcast, I'm going to start measuring the Bills against, you know, rivals and, uh, AFC contenders to kind of see where they really stack up. So that's definitely going to be part of our conversations moving forward. But 
I don't know that I look at this on paper right now and say, you know what? The Bengals just have too much for the Bills to deal with and they can't hang with them. I, I don't necessarily get to that point. Um, I think there's some tough dynamics from last year that prevented the Bills from playing their, their best football in that 27-10 to 10 playoff loss. But um, I haven't seen enough right now to say that there's a roster mismatch and that this is going to be an issue. I do think that the Bills need to be mindful of Cincinnati, just like they are Kansas City and just like they are the division. I think that's important as you build your team that you're aware of of those types of challenges. But I think the Bills, uh, with their secondary being a strength, um, with more diversity on offense to challenge a very good defense, you know, I think they're positioned well to compete. But uh, right now. Allen versus Burrow, advantage Burrow, right? Very decisively won that football game. Next one here comes from Nate. Nate says, players added midseason are always playing catch-up with the learning of the playbook. Is this essentially the whole purpose of OTAs? When do coaches put in the majority of their playbook with the team's roster? OTAs, first week of camp. And if it is early, how do they keep players who get cut and sign elsewhere from, from spreading what they learned? Well, yeah, it does start right now. Um, I think right now, you can even hear Josh Allen talk about this, is right now they're kind of assessing the skill set that they have. They're installing the base of their their offense. And then as the offseason moves along, you know they continue to add to it. And so you have a good foundation set in your OTAs and in your mandatory camp, so that way you get the training camp, you know, you're really humming. And then, of course, through the preseason. Um the the reality is, yes, that there is a, a catch-up in learning the playbook for players that are added later in the process. In fact, I, I would like to point to a tweet from Cole Beasley, actually. At the end of April this year, he tweeted this out. He said, if I'm not in a training camp, I'm retiring. Coming in when the season has already started doesn't give me a chance to be implemented and make an impact. I need camp to develop chemistry with everyone and build confidence. If they won't give me that, then they don't want me there. It's tough on players that come on not at least during training camp. Your question also includes something about, you know, how do they keep players who get cut and sign elsewhere from spreading what they learned? I think those players have a lot to figure out when they sign with a new team. You know, if, if the Bills cut a player that has, has been part of these installs and they go to another team, they got their hands full learning what that other team needs to do. And maybe they can give some clues about, the scheme, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's about execution. Um, and I mean, there's, it's just the reality of, of the league and, you know, they, they take the playbooks. It's not like they take the playbooks with them when they go to another team, right? They have an iPad and that's the only place for it. And they have to turn in the iPad. So, um, I, I, I hear you on that, but it's, that's just life in the league. That's just life in the league. Uh, James says, with OTA starting, would love to know more about those activities and what comes after, if anything, before official training camp. It's a good question because we're absolutely in this right now. So the offseason workouts start on April 17th, or they did this year for the Bills. That's the first phase. And that first phase is um, meetings. You have strength and conditioning and rehab, right? So it's meeting room stuff, strength and conditioning. And that happens over a two-week period. And then there's the draft. And then after the draft, you start OTAs. Of course, there's a rookie mini camp 
that happens either the first or the second weekend after the draft for every team where your rookies and rookies only come in and, you know, have a chance to get acquainted with what's going on before they work with the veterans. And so after the rookie mini camp, you have your OTA sessions and the bills OTAs this year are May 22nd and 23rd, May 25th, May 30th through June 1st, June 5th through 6th, June 8th, and then there's mandatory mini camp June 13th through 15th. And then training camp starts late July. Once you get out of that initial phase, you get into the OTAs where we are right now. Now there's an on-field component where you can do individual drills. You can do team drills. You know, you can put helmets and shoulder pads on and um, you really start to really start to gel as a football team. And, you know, Josh Allen's throwing passes to Dalton Gingade right now. You know, all that stuff is really, really helpful. So that's what the off season looks like um, and how things kind of ramp up from mid-April until, you know, training camp starts in late July. Next one here comes from Devin. Devin says, I'm concerned with the Latavius Murray signing. He's a bit of an older player, and I'm concerned that with the age and the medical aspect that might come with it, uh, we could see issues like we did with running backs like Todd Gurley. We see Justin Shorter come in through the draft. Do we see him impress and make the active roster? Is Dalton Kincaid really the answer at tight end? I am personally concerned that he'll be more of a slot receiver than a tight end. The blocking upside just isn't there to me. All right, so three questions here. One on Latavius Murray, one on Justin Shorter, one on Dalton Kincaid. As for uh, Latavius Murray, I mean, you're talking about your RB4, your RB3 potentially at best. He's always been productive throughout his career, even last year with Denver after he was signed off of a practice squad. If he doesn't produce, it's not a big deal. I mean, the Bills running back situation is really about James Cook and Damian Harris, and you also have Naheem Hines and Latavius Murray. This is an inconsequential concern. I would not invest any energy in being concerned about the addition of Latavius Murray. As for Justin Shorter, I do think he makes the roster. I think he's got a lot of size and physicality. To bring to the table, there's a ceiling, there's upward mobility for him as a as a player that, you know, was a highly decorated high school recruit uh, that didn't really produce to that level in college, but physically he's pretty gifted. And I think whether it's special teams, blocking, vertical components, bringing size to the table, I think he'll be on this roster. And then you're, you have another concern about Dalton Kincaid not being the answer at tight end. The Bills have... Dawson Knox at tight end for the next four seasons at $14 million. That's your answer at tight end. And I hope that Dalton Kincaid is more of a slot receiver. That's exactly what I want to see him be. I want him to be a slot receiver that the bills can use in a versatile way uh, on the field. And so that's, that's perfectly fine with me if he spends most of his time in the slot. And that's what I hope he does. I mean, I'm thinking 70, 75% of his snaps should be from, the slot. And I think that's how you can get the most out of him and, and really get him on the field and provide that weapon that Josh Allen needs in this offense. So um, if, if you're concerned that he's more of a slot receiver than a tight end, I would say good, because that's exactly what I hope he winds up doing the majority of the time. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I have a bunch more herd mentality items. We got to it a little bit late this week and last. So if you haven't heard back from me and you sent me an email or DM, uh, send me, you know, I need some grace here. There's just been a lot and um, I can only fit so much in to each episode. We might have to do another quick turnaround to herd mentality to kind of 
get back on, uh, you know, get back at, with all the other items that are out there. So um, if you didn't hear yours, I, I still need to get back to you. And, and I just need some grace. There's been a lot of emails and DMS and uh, that stuff coming in. So we might get another episode in here really, really quick, have some exciting stuff coming for you in the very near future, uh, including that, that 12 personnel Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid conversation. That'll probably either be Friday or Monday. Um, so you have, that's going to be a good one. Don't miss that. Of course, don't miss anything. Just hit that subscribe button. Always appreciate if you take a second to rate, review, share, like the podcast. All of that is so, so helpful. All right, have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. Look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.